Well, 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 we are back on the high seas of justice. Chandler. At last. The waters. They are not calm. The waters are getting choppy. That's correct. I can't believe we've only done a week of this. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. We have only done three days of this trial. We are not through the first week. I don't know how much more they can give us because I feel like I've been on the high seas of justice for the past 10 years. Like, not that I'm fatigued by it or anything, but I, there's just so much. And it's all I right. want to talk about at every, you know, every dinner table, every round table, you know, any situation. All I want to do is, is talk about. Yeah. You know, the thing with this trial, too, is it just keeps getting juicier and it's mm-hmm. and juicier, grimier, dirtier and right. more interesting. And honestly, it's such a it's such a rabbit hole to go down and a maze to wander through, because this is what I will say is the most interesting thing about this trial. There really is for an objective, you know, non-complete deathhead worshiper. Or not a total herd nerd, although yeah. those are like oh my basically gosh, as I, rare. I didn't know her fans had named themselves. No, that's, I. That's my. I. That's that's, that's the worst that's, name I've ever heard. That. <laughs> the herd nerds. <laughs> so bad. I named them that. Um, okay. That's actually yes. That is my moniker for all Amber Heard devotees, the herd nerds. Anyway. Um, the thing that's the most interesting about thing about this trial is that if you're even slightly objective, there is no easy, clear answer. Like, yes, right. of course, they're both psychotic. That yeah. is apparent. Yeah. But there is no one true, complete villain. And I know a lot of people are going to feel a little nauseous as they hear those words come from my mouth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because most of the coverage that I'm seeing is complete, just like, Johnny Depp right right uh worship sycophantry apologist yep yes yeah so okay this podcast though what we're doing here is actually just recapping and breaking down the trial we are not here to just spin a narrative right so if we if you're interested in this true fine journalism go ahead if we had mom on the podcast right now we would be getting full Johnny Depp apologist I want you to know that at Sunday dinner Mom was basically standing at the pulpit, you know, giving oh. a devotional on Johnny Depp's uh, betrayal Virtues. and and his yeah, like how he's been so wronged. You know, honestly, there is just like mom's ability to essentially just throw out all of her moral guidelines and rules based on a beautiful male face. It's it's Lauren. dizzying. But it's also like astonishingly interesting to, you took to witness. The, you took the words out of my mouth. I said to her on Sunday night verbatim, I said, you have double standards for men you have crushes on. <laughs> yes. Donald 100%. Trump and Johnny Depp. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, okay. Anyway. Back, back to the hottest man, according to her. Yeah. The most bangable pirate. Did we get in trouble for that, by the way? Because you're with her right now in Utah. I mean, she thinks that we are spilling lies. So, oh, we're so we're just that. in hot water, regardless. Regardless, it's like, we're in hot water. I mean, we've the cuss also, words. We've started cussing, and I, I'm, I want you to know, I'm blaming it all on you because I do think you're cussing more than I'm cussing, but I'm just heaping Correct. it on you. I'm like, Lauren, Lauren is just fully disregarding the promises she made to you for coming on the podcast, and I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, 
so I, but does she feel that our, um, our defamation of Johnny Depp is like bigger fish to fry for her on the high seas um, than our cussing? I don't even think she's listening. I think it's, we're so far gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we are here to give you a full breakdown, but before we get to that, let's chat a little housekeeping. If you're listening right now, it's still April. This debut is April 27th. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that you can still enter our giveaway. We are giving away a $500 shopping spree. Yep. Basically, all you have to do to enter is screenshot our podcast. Yep. Recommend it on your stories. Link. It ha- you have to include a link to one of your favorite episodes. And, you know, just say how much you love the pod to your right. followers. Um, and you are entered into our giveaway. Tag us so we see it, obviously. Yeah. If you have a private account, you have to send us a screenshot. Um, and you're entered into our $500 shopping spree giveaway. Um, we'll write you back and say you're entered, got your entry. Thank you. So if you don't hear from us, definitely bump that. Since we've started the Johnny Depp coverage, the DMs have been completely on fire. Right. I mean, at least 200 DMs a day, at least. Yeah. So probably more like three or four. So anyway, it's been crazy. So if we're trying to get to everyone, if we didn't get to you, please bump that so we see it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is how you enter the giveaway to sp- by spreading the good word of Pop Apologists. And you will disqualify yourself, though, if on the recommendation to your friends, you say that it's part of a giveaway. So that's the only thing we ask is that you don't say that this recommendation is to enter a giveaway. We're only asking you to enter if you would have already done this. And you just mm-hmm. need that little push, that little push to take action. Right. Okay. Great housekeeping, Lauren. Great housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, I just am really good at prostrating myself to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really one of my vices, but virtues as a co-host to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, on that note, you looked very hot in your Instagram stories, for the record. Oh. Oh, this weekend? This weekend, yeah. Oh, when? When? This weekend? When? <laughs> oh, remind me again? Moving right along. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's go. So today, another we have another note. We are going to be discussing days four and five and part of day Ugh. six of the trial. Okay, we are it hasn't going to get been through. A week. Well, it's a, a business week. So yeah, we'll have gotten yeah. through Monday through Friday. But then you guys, when we get into midday six, the cross-examination, we are moving coverage of this onto the Patreon. So... Um, if you are interested in continuing with coverage, we will have a fresh episode of Pop Apologists on our Patreon, recapping the cross-examination, continuing the recapping on Patreon. So right. if you want to continue with this, go ahead. The reason for that, we explained this on our Patreon episode last week, which uh, I will be teasing today. Um, the reason why we are moving this to the Patreon is I think there's going to be a lot of coverage and there's a lot to say. And I think it would be pretty fatiguing for our main audience to have to listen to, to basically subject them to nothing but Johnny Depp coverage for the next month and a half. Correct. So Correct. we think that it's more of a special edition thing. And so that's why it's going on the Patreon. And so we'll keep our regular episodes, you know, filled with our normal, you know, sta- regular standard programming, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Because not everyone is down to become Depp heads and herd ner- or herd right. nerds, <laughs> oh, gosh. analysts, researchers, PhDs. Yeah. 
in all things this volatile relationship for the next six weeks Mm -hmm. all right so shall we resume coverage chandler shall we set sail on the high seas on these choppy waters day four of johnny depp first amber heard dr david kipper gives video deposition and i'm gonna kind of sail through these depositions and testimonies of like the errant medical professionals only because really like the juice gets good the juice gets delicious when johnny takes the stand and we wanted to to get to that as quickly as possible okay so i've prepared a brief rundown of these and i will highlight anything that's truly of note Okay. okay great Okay, so David Kipper, Dr. David Kipper, who I mistakenly said was his on concierge attorney. He's not his concierge attorney. That was a slip of the tongue. He's his concierge doctor, Dr. David Kipper. Mm-hmm. Um, he testified that Johnny suffers from ADHD, bipolar disorder, and insomnia. I think the oh, fact wow. that Johnny is bipolar is a little bit um, not heavily reported on, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also, that's, yeah, that's, go a, ahead. that's a serious mental illness. Um, Correct. That honestly, to me, yeah, validates a lot of the claims from the other side, but go ahead. Right. It at least casts some sort of suspicion on the complete death head apologism, which all I see, literally all I see during cross during cross-examination on these Instagram accounts and TikToks that are supposed to be giving coverage of this trial, basically when anything bad is happening about Johnny Depp, all they do is focus on like piddling coverage of his looks, of how cute he looks wiping Mm -hmm. up coffee, of how cute he looks putting in his chair. It is seriously pathetic. Grow up. If you're going to say you're like covering the trial, cover the trial. If you're going to turn into a, a Johnny Depp fan account, own that back to the doctor the good doctor so dr david kipper says that johnny suffers from adhd bipolar disorder and insomnia depression anxiety and drug addiction he along with nurse debbie lloyd was with johnny on the island in the bahamas to help him with his drug detox program okay he said he saw johnny in person once a day then Mm -hmm. and spoke to him on the phone several times a day he saw no evidence of abuse with johnny depp or amber heard during the detox okay Amber Heard became a patient of Dr. Kipper's between August and October of 2014. Mm -hmm. Nurse Erin Borum was assigned to Amber. Nurse Borum is a mandated reporter, and she never reported any evidence of abuse. Okay. So that is interesting. Uh Um, Obviously, if there was, you know, abuse of Amber, the idea is that Miss Borum would have reported it, although she was only her nurse between August and October of 2014. And the key incidences of domestic violence that Amber cites are in 2015. Okay, so deaf heads don't just don't rejoice just yet. Um, Dr. Kipper went to Johnny Depp's home the night of his finger being cut. He cleaned the finger and went into the house to try and find the missing fingertip. They found the fingertip in the kitchen. What a, what a sentence. I, he saw Amber. Go ahead. I still don't have clarity on what exactly happened, how the finger was cut. Go ahead. That's because there is no clarity. There's no, there. the story Chandler is completely ridiculous. The story does not make any sense. And it's a little offensive that anyone thinks we're buying that he had his, he says that he had his hand on a counter and that she threw a 
a this vodka mineral bottle spirits? This or this is not this is vodka bottle, not mineral spirits. He always says a, gl- a jar of mineral spirits or something. I mean, at least weird way. The- I'm like, just say you threw a bottle of Pellegrino, like <laughs> a jar least- of mineral spirits. Okay. No, you know, he said bottle of vodka. At least, you know, there was an antiseptic within the bottle that was, sure. you know, silver lining. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I just think that I don't think that a glass bottle, that's a blunt object. That's a blunt object. It's like, not like a sharp knife. That's the only re- way I've heard of people cutting off their fingertips is when they're chopping something with a super sharp yes. knife. Exactly. As someone who has done that, actually, who has literally cut off part of my fingertip. Oh, I don't want to talk about um, it. Yeah, like it. W- I did it while slicing th- with a knife through kale, and my mm-hmm. finger was in the wrong place. Oh, okay, um, okay. It's another story for another day. Yeah, it's um, us. But yes, it is just a little. The someone some something's not forthcoming. Well, and what I think happened here's yeah. what here's actually okay, what I think okay. happened. Um, and this is I guess perjuring myself or not yeah. perjuring myself, but betraying myself. Hand, I'm not. I yeah. guess. Comp- I guess I'm not a completely objective reporter, but there's a lot of like interesting knife play in the audio recordings of Johnny and Amber. Um, and I know that there's a audio recording of him telling him, telling her to cut him and she gives him a knife for his birthday. So I personally believe that he cut off his own finger in like a craze of rage, but he doesn't want to say that because like he's too embarrassed by such like embarrassing oh behavior. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if that is true. Um, that like they both like are completely unhinged. Well, in the recording, he's like, "Cut me, cut me. It'll feel so good to cut me." Basically. Oh, so I'm anyway, we'll get there. Up. We're. Th- I have eight pages of notes for three bullet points in. Okay, so we gotta keep moving along the high seas. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So. He cleaned the finger. He finds the missing fingertip. He saw Amber, who seemed upset but had no evidence of abuse or injury, no bruises, cuts, etc. No other injuries on Johnny other than the cut finger. Although this is actually refuted later with photographs because what Johnny says is that... Well, actually, you know, I'll get to it during his testimony. Okay. Keep the um, keep this ship a sail. Yes. Okay. So his nurse never saw any injury photos from Amber mm-hmm. or any evidence to believe abuse had taken place during her time. But again, it was only a few months in 2014 or like, yep. yeah, five months. Right. Um, in December of 17th, 2015, Amber heard receives a physical exam. This is very significant because Amber alleges that on December 15th, two days before 2015, mm-hmm. Johnny assaulted her, giving her two black eyes, breaking her nose, pulling out her hair and giving her, her bruises nose? around her head. Yeah, you would think there'd be like more evidence if she of a broken she, nose. A broken nose is like no joke. Also, I will say Amber Heard had an incredible rhinoplasty, like one of the best you can get. Um, but again, that's that is a side note. If you look at her in Red, or uh, the movie they met on versus now, Rum she Diaries. completely. I think Rum Diaries. Yeah, she. I, I think that it looks like she's had a like her nose was slimmed and refined a little bit. Mm, but anyway, okay. 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 Um, so Amber alleged that he, yes, he physically assaulted her, gave two, two days black be- eyes, broke her nose. Right. Two days before two, this physical exam. Two days exam. before this physical exam. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, and basically um, during the exam, she did not disclose any abuse, only saying she had a headache from hitting her head two days prior. Okay. A concussion check was performed. There was no concussion and there was no evidence of any injury during the exam. No marks, no bruises, et cetera. And those would have been noted. 
On August 8th of 2016, Amber Heard requested all of her med- medical records for December of 2015. So um, one kind of interesting note is that, you know, you would think that she would have requested all of her records if there was an ongoing repeated abuse or even multiple incidents, not just one month. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so we've concluded with Dr. Kipper's testimony. Now let's move on to Debbie Lloyd. Okay. Debbie Lloyd was Johnny Depp's assigned nurse. She's a certified drug addiction nurse who specializes in patients who need psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. Um, she, in her testimony, she rec- she answered, I don't recall a lot. She pulled a little bit of, a, of an Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. Um, and while this is frustrating, it is important to note that nurses are trained to answer this way because they don't want something they say to be twisted to mean something else. Um, so this is basically just like when you're a medical professional, you're, I guess, trained to only really report on what you 100% remember to be fact. Got it. Okay. That's very, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. So in August 24, on August 24th of 2016, when asked via text if he was doing okay, Johnny Depp responded to Debbie Lloyd saying pretty much, and then added a very long response about cutting off his arm if it looked uh, gangrenous, which is, yeah, kind of strange. Yeah. This would have been after the Australia incident. Um where the fingertip was cut off Ugh. in 2016. Okay. There's so much talk of like knives and cutting limbs and I just, it's making me queasy. Yeah. Uh, you got to take Dramamine when you go on the high seas. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> November 11th, 2014. Text between Nurse Lloyd and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp says, I don't know what's real. I don't know if it's just jealousy or anxiety. So basically this was when Amber Heard was at a party and he was talking with nurse Lloyd about his jealousy or if it was anxiety. Okay. So one of the things that does happen and I want to okay. point this out before, before we get your commentary yeah, is that Johnny Depp a hundred percent admittedly um, has the, had the behavior when he was in a relationship with, John, with Amber of getting jealous. Mm-hmm. So he was jealous when she would attend social events without her. Uh-huh, without he him. wrote, he took, he took his bloody fingertipless <sighs> finger and wrote on a mirror Billy Bob and Easy Amber, basically accusing Amber of having an affair with Billy Bob. I mean, just imagine, just imagine that's who you're married to, a guy who is so, is so, like, I mean, this, this is not, not even the words. I, okay. Two things. This is not like some wounded, broken man who's just being abused by this woman. Like this is someone who is in their own right, manic, unhinged clearly has serious serious issues of their own that's what i'm trying to say is this is not a docile englishman sweet loving yes like these people both have their demons clearly so let's all just try to remain objective that's the problem the virtue is the virtue is the mean okay another sidebar Um, hold on Debbie Lloyd. Okay, what? Does Debbie Lloyd yeah. want to be talking to Johnny Depp about how he's, like, jealous with his girlfriend? Like, isn't she, like, off the clock? Like, she's probably, like, I just like to deal with your, like, you know, health stuff. I don't really want to deal with your, like, love stuff. Right. Poor Debbie well, Lloyd. Well, I think... She doesn't get paid enough I think this. that... I, I don't think he was, like, utilizing her as a low-key assist or uh, uh, Emotional, I think yeah. He was, yeah, I think he was doing that because Debbie Lloyd... What ha- could prescribe him medication probably because she's I think she's is a nurse yeah, but, practi- but practitioner still, yes she is a nurse practitioner can you imagine so I'm sure he your was doctor, trying to get medication yeah but can you just imagine telling your doctor like I don't know if it's rage I don't know if it's jealousy like 
I don't know why that seems so bizarre I, to me. Honestly, I know, I know. And the, okay, you know what? It just reminds me of. It reminds me of when I was potentially going to get a procedure. I had this. Um, I had like a consult. This will yeah. be thirty seconds at a consult with this doctor, and I was like. I'm just at this point in my life where I'm about to get married. Everything is going so great. My 20s were so hard. I went on this whole spiel of like, I'm so happy. My my fiance loves how I look. I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, I don't know if it's the right. I don't even know if it's necessary. And like after my whole big spiel about the time right. of my life and like, you know, the stakes were so high. My wedding right. was coming up. He just looked at me and he was like, so, um, yes, it will be a change and this is what I would do. Like he gave me no commentary about any of the spiel. He's like, oh, he's like, what you're saying is that you are experiencing some anxiety about potentially getting this procedure. Right. Anyway, he's like, I'm not unpacking this with you. Yeah, totally. I'm not your therapist. Although I didn't have, he was not on my payroll. He was not my concierge you know, physician. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the concierge physicians, they can handle it. Nurse practitioners. They wear multiple hats, you know? Yeah. yeah. Damn straight. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's, let's set a sail. We're again. moving on. Yes. Um, so in March of 2015 is the Australia incident. Apparently there are multiple accounts on how his finger was cut at the time. It was told at the time that it was possibly that Amber Heard cut it after throwing a glass bottle, possibly that Jam- that Johnny slammed his finger and phone on a table. No, um, no still doesn't make any sense with why it would uh, you would have a piece of it cut off. Correct, correct. Um, Nurse Lloyd provided Johnny Depp with follow-up care for his finger. She noted that it did not appear to be a crush injury, which would negate Mm -hmm. the finger phone table allegation. Nurse Lloyd testified that she observed multiple times that Amber Heard would be instigating Johnny. Johnny would try to walk away or leave the room, and Amber would follow him, Mm -hmm. trying to get him to talk. She witnessed a conversation when Johnny tried to talk to Amber Heard about a prenup, and Amber Heard was not happy about it. That is really significant because... You know, his his attorneys or her attorneys in their opening statement were like, Amber wanted a prenup. She wanted him to be secure. He didn't like her attorney. He called her attorney a bitch. Like, like the idea, like the fact that this third party is saying, no, she did not want a prenup. And obviously anyone with their head on their shoulders would think About that would to be marry. self-evident that she um, wouldn't want yeah, one. Yeah. And he would. But anyway... Johnny called Nurse Lloyd saying that Amber Heard's sister had stolen his Adderall, Adderall, which um, was provided, prescribed that for his ADHD. Amber's sister had stolen his Adderall. Yeah. This is yeah. just, I think this is Can't just like. stars uh, just get their own Adderall prescriptions? Like, it's just, it's not that hard to get. No, no. He had his own prescription, but Amber Heard's sister stole no, some I know. of it. No, I know. I'm, I'm talking it. about Amber Heard's sister. I'm like, can't she just get her grubby fingers on her own prescription? Dude, I feel so bad for Amber Heard's sister. I think Why? Amber, Amber Heard's sister from... I don't know if it was an insider who DM'd me or something, but um, now we're getting all sorts of insider DMs, which I'm loving. And and, and Johnny says that he recognized something super wounded in in her sister. Mm. I think her sister is like a victim of some her. Amber Heard abuse. That's for yeah. sure. Sad. Um, okay. okay. Nurse Lloyd testified that she never saw Johnny or Amber get violent with each other. All right. We're moving on away from medical professionals to mm-hmm. Johnny's chief security guard, Sean Bet. Yes. Okay. We all house manager. Sh- no, not house manager. No, okay. chief security guard. Okay. Um. 
so he's a previous LAPD officer, someone we would curtsy to, had experience speaking to juries. He came across, however, as very biased. Seemed to be mm. he seemed to be trying to get information in during his testimony that would be objectionable. Okay. So he, for example, he would say things like the scratches that Amber gave Johnny, re- referring to scratches that were on Johnny's face. So. Mm. Like, basically hearsay. Yeah. Um, He never saw Amber give him scratches, but he referred to them as, you know, the scratches that Amber gave Johnny. So... Got it. He definitely... Had an agenda. Yeah, exactly. Um, He never saw Amber hit Johnny other than Amber throwing a water bottle once. This is what's so strange. Is this the mineral spirit? Maybe this is the mineral spirit. No, this... It's not, it, it is not declared whether this, the spirits are mineral, whether they are still, it doesn't really say. Okay. Okay. Um, it's just so strange to me. Like all this throwing stuff. I've never thrown a single thing at anyone. No, it's, it's demons. It's true demons. It's, it's really wild. I, I wonder like, yeah, I, I don't also, know. It's just also just mis misbehaving. Like people who just cannot yeah. act with any type of like. I don't know, self-control or decorum. It's like, I don't know, very childish, both of them. I'm just honestly too tired of a person to be like going around throwing stuff. Like then you have to go pick it up. Like, I don't know. I just feel like a concierge house picker upper. Oh, that's true. I just feel I would be, I do not even have the energy to be like this level of psycho at all. Right. You'd rather just send, you'd rather send a cutting text. I'd rather just keep the peace, literally, Absolutely. and not, well, I don't like also, any sort of contention to a fault. Yeah. yeah. I also, I don't, I don't think that I'm like a great, I don't think I'm great at fighting, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think I, I, I don't derive any type of pride from like winning an argument, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. These people, honestly, it just goes to show like he's bipolar. She obviously mm-hmm. is off her rocker. Right. And this is the fuel that basically they burn to stay alive. Like, yes. This is and what I, they live for. They love the drama. And I'm sure they're super hot for each other with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. They like it. It's exciting to them. These are people mm-hmm. that like to live on the edge. Um, And I was actually having an interesting conversation with a friend about how like People should be allowed if they, if this is the lifestyle they want, right? Like people don't have to interact in the very benign, tepid way Chandler and I interact with our partners. Like they don't have to have these like, you know, completely sanitary, completely sanitary. Just like, yeah, completely just kind, nice relationships. You know, some people want to interact and they want to have charged, fueled interactions. Mm -hmm. They want to have this kind of, they want to do this, engage in this kind of, um, contending with right, the other right. in their life right and i think that she was saying that adults should be given the freedom to do that if that's the language they want to operate in and yeah. that's like basically if they just operate anyway. like if they're always like at an eight on like the passion scale whether that's good or bad the problem is is that when when things get dicey and one takes it public and ruins someone's career then i think well then that's yeah. when we arrive in fairfax virginia right yeah okay Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. 
Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimpleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a lay person like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Off the rails though, let's move forward. Okay, he says that he at times saw physical injuries on Johnny. So he says that after the Australian incident that Johnny had a swollen eyelid and cheekbone and pictures showed that injury mm -hmm. um, and that he also saw scratch marks on his face after an argument with Amber. Okay. Um, and, you know, there actually is documentation of Johnny on the gurney in the hospital when wow. he has the broke the cut off finger with these marks on his cheek and according to johnny he later testifies that amber came over to him after he cut off his finger and put out a cigarette on his cheek so <sighs> this is just the way they like to this behave is, this apparently. is um, yeah this is the way that they operate they are like level 10 <laughs> at all times hot cold whatever maybe that was kind of sexy right. i don't know like yeesh okay like on some level, as we're describing all of this, it's also like some French art film that could be like super sexy. Yeah, it has like um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like, I don't know, energy. Yes. Um, okay, so May 25th of uh, May 21st, 2016, that incident between 7.15 and 7.45 p.m. This is the incident where like Johnny breaks up with her essentially. Johnny went to the Eastern Columbia building to get some of his things. Um, he asked his two bodyguards to stay there um, just in case they heard screaming and to come in. They waited outside the penthouse 10 minutes in. They hear screaming. They go in. They ran run over and find Amber Heard with a friend. Amber Heard appear appeared to look surprised when the bodyguards were there and said, that's the last time you'll do that to me, Johnny. To which Johnny <laughs> looked very confused. <laughs> Amber Heard impression is, is really good. That's the last time <laughs> they'll do you. this to me, Johnny. Yeah. Um uh thank you. Honestly, You're my welcome. acting chops. Yeah. Um Okay. The bodyguard did not see any signs of injury, no swelling, no marks, nothing on Amber, and apparently she did not seem to be like holding her face or anything that would say that she had like behaving like she had a recent injury. Okay. 
um, he said that he never saw any violence from Johnny toward Amber. Um, and then the problem is, though, that during cross-examination, he impeached himself a few times over details of the, of the situation. And apparently he just was like an inconsistent, not that okay. credible witness not overall. Witness. Got it. Okay. Okay. So finally, before we get to Johnny Depp's testimony, the juiciest part of this, we have one more to get through. That's Keenan Wyatt, the sound technician for Johnny uh, for more than 30 years. Sound for many technician. of Johnny's movies. Concierge sound technician. That, that sounds like a job I would like. Well, what's interesting about this is obviously as you rise up the ranks in being a movie, you can become more and more of a diva. Um, and Johnny, you know, always had his own sound technician because a lot of times he would be fed lines through an Got it. Piece. Right, right. Um, so this so one of the things that is brought up is like you know this is his this is his sound technician obviously when johnny works keenan works mm -hmm. so there's something about him you know having a investment in johnny being successful um right and right. potentially a conflict of interest so yeah. again we can take this with a grain of salt so the main reason he was called was to refute Amber's claims that Johnny had lost work due to his bad working reputation, not due to the Washington Post Me Too article. Mm -hmm. So that's part of her de her defamation defense is basically like not only did this happen, but you lost work because you were a, f a shit show. Right. You were late all the time. You were a mess. You w wouldn't even memorize lines. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, Keenan is here to set the record straight. Um, he testified that Johnny was great to work with, easy to work with, that he collaborated well with directors. He testified that he, a Disney executive came to talk to Johnny in a very friendly manner to talk about his future collaborations while on the set of Pirates 5. So mm -hmm. seeming like they you know, had full interest in keeping him aboard the ship. They're like, we'd like you to remain the most bangable pirate for the next five series. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to have you be the most bangable geriatric pirate. He admitted that Johnny came to set late a few times, but said it wasn't a huge, huge issue. He said that, yes, sometimes he would, you know, act with an earpiece in his ear, but sometimes it was just for music to listen to between lines. Sometimes it was for lines or between like, you know, breaks. And he said that sometimes Johnny would rewrite his own lines. Okay. So he t testified that Johnny had a very Monty Python-esque dark sense of humor. So... When it comes to someone, like, we posted this reel of Johnny, you know, texting his friend Paul Bettany um, some really horrible things about what he would do yeah. to Amber, what he wanted yeah. to do to Amber. Yeah. And apparently, apparently he just has some crazy dark sense of humor. I don't know. It's pretty embarrassing I mean, regardless. It's pretty vile. Like, I think, like, the necrophilia I, stuff, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. That, to me, that's, that's, a, that's a step further than just a dark sense of humor. Yeah, if I, I mean, I, if if I found out that Kagan said any of those things about me, I just would be, like, beyond horrified. Like, horrified. utterly embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. And just, like, you're vile. But again, we're not operating within the same, you know, uh, avant-garde, edgy crowd she, and language she, that they live within. Right, and maybe they were dark to each other, you know? like they, uh, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, he testified that he took vacations with Johnny and his former girlfriend, Vanessa Paradis. He said that he never saw Johnny get angry or violent with Vanessa or the kids. They drank together, and he said that Johnny's behavior never changed with the drinking other than getting a little sleepy. Yeah. He said he never saw, er, he said he never saw Johnny yell at Amber or abuse anyone. 
He recounted an experience when he tried to speak to Amber on a plane from Boston to LA. Amber responded with, how dare you speak to me? And went, and he went back to his seat. He did see Johnny drinking during the fight, but Johnny did not appear to be intoxicated and did not see Johnny and did not see Johnny be violent with anyone else on the plane. Amber's attorney during cross-examination tried to demonstrate that Keenan, while he was not on the payroll, that he definitely requested to be on every movie set Johnny was on, thus, you know, strengthening the argument that if Johnny didn't work, Keenan didn't work. Right. However, uh, Keenan basically said that he had other projects that wasn't totally true, that didn't involve Johnny Depp, and that his pay and accommodations and perks were all comparable with Johnny Depp's projects. So um, we have gone know. through successfully all the yeah. characters now. And just to so just to level set for a minute, these are all of the witnesses that the prosecution is calling, correct? Correct. And correct. and and are they is their last witness Johnny? Like, what's what's the science behind the ordering? You think? I don't know. That's a good question. My guess is that's going to be their last witness. But so, who knows? So I, mean, I pray if it's a six week trial. No. Oh no no no! They're having Elon Musk. Remember? But it's so right, for Johnny. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know about the order. I, I'm sure it has to do with people's schedules too. So. Right. It's um, just kind of interesting but, because we're only what well, we're on the second week. So like is six weeks. Are we supposed to know what's happening or like the verdict at the end of the six weeks? I believe so. Okay. Okay. Um, We'll see if we get through all of this, to be honest. Like, we'll see if our audience wants to keep going. We're definitely going to need encouragement to keep going. We'll just keep going as long as it's holding, you know, interest for everybody and for us. Like, as long as it's it's interesting to talk about. Yeah. This is definitely going to be a very long journey through the high seas. So I hope everyone has brought some fruit and vegetables on board Mm -hmm. so they don't get scurvy. Okay. um, (laughs) How long have you been sitting on that scurvy joke for? I honestly just thought of it. Like that is the level of wit, metaphor, referential commentary that I bring to this podcast as your co-host. You really, you bring a lot. I mean, I will say that the high seas of justice has stuck. And that was yours. Or was it mine? No, it was mine. I said, did we just have, do we have, do we have an episode title? And you're like, "Mm, I don't know. But lo and behold, high seas of justice. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, let's move on to Johnny's testimony. I'm so excited to discuss this. So this is really, really, really where I think that we get a lot, a big picture of their Mm -hmm. life together painted and his childhood and everything. All right, Johnny's testimony. Johnny takes the stand and his attorney asks him, she looks him in the eye and she says, why are we here today? He says that six years ago, Amber made some quite heinous and disturbing accusations against him of criminal acts not based in any species of truth and that it was a complete shock and that nothing of what she accused had ever occurred within the relationship and that he had never been accused of any of this before. And so today is about clearing his name and today is about telling the truth. Wow. Yeah. One thing I really want to call out before before I... Before I jump the plank into the high seas of justice with y'all is that one thing that I wish he had done and I wish his team had done was not paint him as as such a completely virtuous person Mm -hmm. 
and been a little bit more, I think, even-handed and kind of shown his darker side. Because when we get to his cross-examination and a lot of the stuff comes out, it becomes hard to reconcile with the vision that he's painted. But yeah. I'll, And I'll explain that more in detail yeah. as we get into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So Johnny makes a stirring speech about how he is an intensely private person. And this trial is nothing he ever wanted. And you know what? He He's not embarrassed. He's not embarrassed having all the details of his life revealed because you know what, Chandler? He is telling the truth. Right. It's his he truth. He says he is a person who is obsessed with the truth. He goes, the truth, the truth. In his like English, fake English right. accent drawl, the truth, the truth is so important. I'm a person who's obsessed with, honestly, what? how what slow he talks. He sounds like drug adult. His brain <laughs> Right. Like, well, he's, un- unfortunately, yes, thing. he's a movie star. He's an actor. Like everything is incredibly deliberate, and and it's a show. Right. And the jury knows that. They know he's a professional actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he says this trial is about what is right and what is true, and righting the wrong that his children have had to suffer because this lie about their father became believed around the world. Mm. Wow. All right. So his attorney asks him about his childhood and he speaks very sympathetically about his mother's verbal and physical abuse. Mm-hmm. He says that he was usually the source of his mother's ire. And whenever she went into an episode of rage, she would direct, you know, that frustration at him. Mm. He says that she was not just physically abusive, but emo- but mentally and emotionally. If any of the kids had any sort of deficiency or something wrong with them, she would make fun of them and ridicule them. Right. I heard about the one eye thing, right? Yeah. Like she called one kid four eyes because they wore glasses. Um, Just like really cruel things. Yeah. So he said that she would also instruct his father to use his belt to whip them. Mm -hmm. And that there was one time specifically that his father whipped him, even though he swore he didn't do what his mom accused him of. Okay. And that later his father found out that he really was innocent and apologized. But he said his mother was never capable of apologizing. Okay, interesting. Um, He says that he saw his dad punch a wall three times in frustration with his mother. But other than that, he was a gentle person that never got violent. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that one day he came home from school. He was 15 years old and his dad was gone. Mm. He said that his mother was in shock and disbelief that his dad had left. Um, And that just one day simply she came home and all of his dad's things were gone. Were gone from the closet, gone from the house. Johnny at 15 years old uh, drives over to his dad's work and he sits down in front of his dad and he he says to him, it appears someone stole all of your clothes out of the closet. Mm. This is like pretty heartbreaking. And the dad just says, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I can't live with her anymore. You're the man of the house now. Oh my gosh. And Johnny says he wasn't ready to hear those words. And he says that afterward, his mom went into a deep and dark depression. And one afternoon, Johnny came home and, or was home and walked into the living room and he found his mom in the fetal position with drool coming out of her mouth, kind of foaming at the mouth. And it was clear she had overdosed overdosed and tried to commit suicide. So that's extremely traumatic for a teenager to witness, of course. Um, And he said when she got out of the hospital, her depression was so deep that even at 5'2", she only weighed 70 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Um, She just basically completely, yeah, became this, you know, uh, ghost. Yeah. Um, 
And he said he was really upset with his father for leaving mm-hmm. in such a cowardly way. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that, you know, the reason why they're talking about this is he's going to say later in the trial, I stayed with Amber in spite of her abuse because I witnessed what it did to my mom mm-hmm. when my father left. Yeah. So that's kind of why this is relevant. Right. Um, Johnny says that uh, his girl, Vanessa, mm-hmm. pay, pay attention to that language okay. because, again, there's a way that Johnny characterizes people and then there's a way that Johnny characterizes people in, you know, texts and emails that are admitted into evidence. Yeah. And they're quite disparate, right. you know, monikers mm-hmm. for these individuals. Um, so let's just say that he refers to his girl, Vanessa, in a very sweet way on the stand. But in text to Paul Bettany, he refers to Vanessa, the mother of his children, as the... Uh, French extortionist C-U-N-T. So, you know, tomato, tomato. But anyway, um, he says that when Vanessa got pregnant, he knew exactly how to raise children, and that was to do with the opposite of what his mother did. He said that instead of saying no to children, that you need to explain to them that they have options and to explain consequences. So instead of saying don't stick the wire hanger in the electrical socket, explain to them that they could do that, but it would kill them. Mm. And he said that no is just such an abrupt word. And it's not a good idea to basically have your children surrounded by no's and always hearing like that abrupt no. Yeah. So that was obviously kind of a traumatizing part of right. his childhood. Yeah. Um, and he said that he and Vanessa were extremely intentional about never raising children or never raising their voices around their children mm-hmm. and never arguing in front of them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that this is really kind of laying the groundwork for is that Johnny really cared about his kids right. and wanted to be a good dad. And having what's, and, what sounds like a very peaceful home life for them. Yeah. And one of the things that Amber does in her cruelty is whenever they're fighting, she basically... Th- talks about his kids mm-hmm. and there's recordings of this yeah of him talking about what a terrible father he mm. is so anyway um just a little bit of kind of context for why this you know why this really matters right so um the tur- the attorney asks him how his early childhood experiences impacted his relationship with amber and he says well at the beginning amber was too good to be true Miss yeah Hurt. he refers to her as misheard at the trial He says she was loving and smart and attentive, caring, funny, kind, understanding. She loved obscure blues music that he loved. And she was literate. You know, she had she loved literature. And he says the first year and a half were amazing. So this is interesting. He says that after he would get home from work every, you know, every evening they had a ritual where he would get home from work and he would sit down on the couch and she would remove his boots for him Mm -hmm. and bring him a glass of wine Mm -hmm. and he just basically says he had never experienced this kind of this kind of level i think of someone really caring for him yeah and you know he says it was just incredible for the first year and a half but then one of the first red flags that he saw one of the first things that indicated there could be issues in the future was there was one day where he got home from work and she was on the phone and busy and so he took off his own shoes yeah and she apparently got really upset when she got off the phone and came over and she said no that's my job that's what i do and got very kind of frustrated with him about that and he said he thought that was kind of weird so bizarre and he also yeah he also said that he she was very controlling of his bedtime that he had to go to bed at the same time as her Mm. and it really really bugged her 
um, and then really frustrated her. She got really mad at him whenever he wouldn't. So just some interesting Why? tidbits. Okay. That, that feels more normal. I sometimes feel that way in my relationship about bedtimes. But um, what a... What do you think the boots thing is an indicator of? Like just control? Um, I well, I think that a lot of times these really, really toxic, you know, people with these personality disorders, they are as I mean, it just cuts both ways. Like they're as amazing as they are horrible. Like they at first seduce you with their with their words with their mm-hmm. actions and they really kind of it's like what dad said dad's like when dad's big relationship advice when finding a partner yeah. is that like sometimes people that are too good to be true like they it's like Kanye it's like the love bombing to Kim right. like it's you know like you don't want someone who's who's so incredibly over the top well you yeah i mean who... i think the the high high highs make for very low low lows right and like it's just not really sustainable mm-hmm. to always be there to like also it's a little weird to me the boots like, thing is super I don't know. weird it's I like don't... it's like this is, he isn't like in the 16th century or something like you can take off so this sounds kind of gross like i don't want to touch someone's boots <laughs> also it's like also it's just so you're in la I mean, wear sandals why are you wearing just... boots well that's that's my thought process. It's like, of course, even in LA, right. you know, with Johnny's like grunge hipster mm-hmm. aesthetic, he's always wearing his boots. She likes, he's such a man. Right. He's always in his boots. She would take off his shawls and his man jewelry and his boots. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just like, I'm, oh my God. It's interesting to and bring s- him his cigar and tobacco <sighs> and pipe. It's interesting to see him in like clothing that's not shredded uh, up on the stand. <laughs> right. There's just such a commitment to the grunge aesthetic. Yes. Yes. Um, and even in the way he speaks, like, know. there's so many little things he says that are just so incredibly, I think, contrived. Yes. Like, people I don't mean, really even, speak that even way. Even when he says she was into literature, it's like, <sighs> or the obscure blues music. It's just like, it's so annoying. Shut up. It's just really that, it's that high school guy who was reading Bukowski who never matured mm-hmm. out of that persona. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. And yeah. I'm like, I, I guarantee you she didn't listen to that obscure blues music before she dated you. Guarantee. Correct. Guess what? She she heard you talking about some boring ass music right. on the set of Rome Diaries. Right. And decided this is my ticket to fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to become the person he wants me to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's a smart move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. He talks about his career in Hollywood and he talks about going from being a musician kid from Kentucky to a global celebrity requiring 20, 24-7 security because of the absolute massive fame brought to him by pirates. And he he has this other thing where like, he's like, he's like, oh, it's, I don't like to think of myself as famous. It's still weird. It'd be so weird to ever be the kind of person who was used to paparazzi. Like, I'm not used to it. I don't even like saying the name Johnny Depp because I can hear the commodity in the product and I'm just Johnny ugh, from Kentucky. Ugh. And it's just like, come on, man. Right. You own an island. You have like... You can just... <laughs> right. You don't have to masquerade yourself as like somebody who, you know, had just all this fame thrust upon you when like you're in Pir- you were going to be in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. <laughs> Like, we know that you're more at home at Soho House, West Hollywood, than at some, like, dive bar in Kentucky. We know that. We know you're a fancy person. And this is, but, just but you know what? This is why it. I think he has such a cult following. Because he parades around as just, like, this humble beginnings, like, you know, small town boy. Right. With a fake English accent. Yes. I was shocked when I found out he was from also, Kentucky, for the record. 
<laughs> I know. It's just like it's just like it's obviously just a lot of ego, but it's fine. You know what? You know, honestly, if I looked in the mirror and I was Johnny Depp and I was most America's most bangable pirate, it'd be difficult to get, fit my head through the door. Right. So I get it. Absolutely. Okay, so he uh, talks about how when he would go on trips with his family that he would simply just he's like people stay in a hotel but I stay in a hotel like I stay at the hotel like he's like I don't go out to dinner with my family because it just causes too much commotion too much stress and and chaos um he says if I go to dinner with them when we leave there's 40 paparazzi outside Mm -hmm. sounds kind of fun to me like I don't see the problem I'm sure that I'm sure that would get old I'm sure oh you think really yeah, I mean, I think he also probably had a level of paparazzi that was, like, so, so much. Like, truly, like, yeah. cameras and so many pictures. Like, he, he really is such a mega star. Um, that's true. Yeah, it's like, true. especially when you're with, like, kids and stuff. Like, I don't, I can understand that. And you just want to, like, get dinner. You don't, yeah, you're not, like, you just, like, and you just, it's not always, like, you're, like, right. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do also feel like with so much security, like... There should be a way for you to avoid most of it. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, okay, but we're, we digress. Um, so he says that um, his mom would always ask him to bring him, bring her, her... Nerve pills? Ask him to bring her, her nerve pills. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, how did you know? Oh, you've, you've been seen, watching yeah, some? I've seen some. And so he says that at 11, he noticed that his mom would just you know get a lot happier after taking a nerve pill Mm -hmm. and so he started popping her nerve pills and that's when he basically his kind of pill addiction not really began but that's when he you know got his first taste yeah which is pretty wild so wild one thing that's i thought was interesting was he said that some people you know you know people take drugs to have a good time to party he says that was never his experience drugs he says drugs for him were always a way to numb Mm -hmm. they're always a way to escape pain and to not feel anything right not to heighten his experiences or heighten his emotions and senses yeah yeah so Um, clearly painting he also painting the picture of him being very 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 broken right he says that Amber's characterization of his drug abuse is extremely overblown and basically false. He says the only substance he's ever been addicted to was the roxycodone. Mm-hmm. And he explains that taking those pills was not a matter of getting high, that they were prescribed for pain originally. but um, And then basically he just became dependent on them. And taking them was the only way that he, he was basically just always staving off withdrawals. Right. So there was uh, nothing about and, and going numb with them. Yeah. Yeah. They were not about getting high. Yeah. Then he talks about meeting Amber and he says he met her while he was producing, helping produce and cast rum diaries. And he said the director he was working with said he had auditioned this girl five times and wasn't sure. And he wanted Johnny to meet her. And so they go and meet her and Johnny immediately thought he said, this is who Hunter S. Thompson would have wanted. This is Chenault. This Mm. is a girl who could kill me. Mm. So I think that was kind of, I mean, obviously he's like saying that, you know, at the very beginning, there is an X factor to her. Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like we need to watch um, Rum Diaries for our research. Well, Rum Diaries was set in Puerto Rico, which is interesting. I know. I feel like Um, we need to watch it. Yeah, I feel like we should too. I'll be honest. I did watch the shower scene for research. Um, And he describes, so there's the shower scene where he's taking a shower and her character comes in and kisses him. It's pretty hot. Yeah. He says that that first kiss there was something absolutely there right but um 
he also paints himself as quite chivalrous. Yeah. And he says that, you know, there was an opportunity in the film or there was, you know, it was supposed to be that she was going to be nude dancing in a crowd. Like she, you know, it was this drunken night and she was going off and having this wild time. Yeah. It was a scene. And he said that he devised a plan where she could wear a red bra and right. uh, basically hold a red bra up above the crowd. And that would be imply the nudity. She wouldn't have to be naked. So obviously he's not, he's trying to paint himself as not this like skeezy older dude. Um, he says that during the shower scene, he definitely felt something that he shouldn't be feeling given that, you know, Amber was with someone at the time and Vanessa, he had Vanessa and he always refers to them as the kiddies. I don't know. I don't love that. The kiddies. Something a little. Yeah. He says that after that shower scene, he she came into his trailer later that day and they had a glass of wine together and listened to some old blues. Right. Uh, Boring. And yeah. And they kissed. Yeah. And he says that she wanted to stay in the trailer um, and that he says it, it wasn't a good idea because there there his was the only trailer in the lot. Everyone would know they were in there together. Yeah. And apparently there were a bunch of people trying to move it anyway. Yeah. So he says that between that point and the press junket, there was no romantic interaction with her. He and Vanessa break off, break up because Vanessa wanted to go back to France to live her life as the famous singer that she is in France. And the only real interaction he has with Amber is that there was a white dress that Amber loved from um, from filming Rum Diaries and that he, um, you know, asked the asked like the costume person if they could send it to her. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, obviously, that's an overture. Obviously, right. he was trying to connect. Right. Um, which is fine right. you know whatever yeah he says at the beginning yes she was his perfect partner and they had this thing where so one of the things that he wanted her to really kind of be able to um, embody was a sense of stillness mm. um during during filming and so he had her watch a film with humphrey bogart and lauren bacall i forget the name of the film yep. i didn't write, write it down but in the film Humphrey's name is Steve and Lauren's name, Lauren Bacall plays Slim. Yeah. They call each other Steve and Slim. And that became their nickname for each nicknames for each other because in yeah. that film he is 45 and meets Lauren at 19. Yeah. Um, and they fell in love and they were together till uh, the end of his life. So right. that was kind of like their, I guess, you know, obviously they kind of modeled their relationship and right. romanticized it as, you know, a new generation's take on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he talks about being very fond of her parents, always arranging special nights for them in Austin whenever it was their anniversary. Um, you know, taking her family on vacations, putting up her friends and family in his various penthouses, mm-hmm. never charging mm-hmm. rent. So basically, you know, he's this very involved, kind boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I don't think anyone disputes. He says, or the attorney asks, the attorney says, at what point did Miss Hurd's behaviors, behavior start changing? Mm-hmm. And he says, just at some point, he started to, he noticed that he started to become wrong about everything. Didn't Ugh. matter what they were discussing, even if it was something that he had been doing for 30 years, like filmmaking, he was suddenly wrong. And if he tried to explain himself, tensions would heighten. He says she could not be wrong about anything. And you'll remember that his mother could not be wrong about anything. Yeah. yeah. His mother could never apologize. Yeah. He said that arguments were always completely circular. 
and that they would start in one place and come back to that place and that there was no way to ever talk through them. They were basically just spirals up and up in tension that kept tightening. Yeah. He says that it was impossible to argue with her, that she had this jackhammer way of talking. Like the the marriage therapist said. Yeah. And he was endlessly berated and treated like a fool. Um, and honestly, when you listen to the recordings, this is absolutely true. I mean, it is absolutely maddening to listen to the recordings of them arguing because he really does seem coherent and logical mm-hmm, and like he has mm-hmm. an, he has a real point to make and she just seems like a psychotic abuser yeah, who yeah. will, you know, is relentless, will not, is utterly relentless. Like he will, I mean, it's just, it's beyond crazy, but we'll get to it. So, um, he says he was never allowed to be right or to have a voice and he was just stunned how wrong he had become mm-hmm. about virtually everything. And he says that some people search for weaknesses and vulnerabilities and sensitivities in people and then they use that, those things as verbal ammunition to send that, to send their victims essentially mm-hmm. into a spiral or a tailspin of depression and confusion. And he says that at one point he just realized that he was in a relationship with his abusive mother. And he says that as these arguments would escalate, he did what he did as a kid and removed himself from the situation Mm -hmm. in order to find peace and in order to escape. And he said he would lock himself in rooms constantly, anywhere she couldn't get into. And if he did stay, that the arguments would escalate into her being violent against him, striking out, slapping him, striking him, throwing wine in his face. Yeah. Um. He said his purpose in the world arrived when his first child arrived and that he had one purpose and that was to be a good father. That was all that actually mattered to him. And she said, and he said that during these arguments, she would say what a terrible father he was Mm. and would needle him about his kids. And one of the things that she did was that whenever he spent time with his kids, that was a huge source of problems for them because she would get very jealous. Mm. Um, and it's, he's just says that at some point his brain and heart started to really shut down after continually being told what a terrible person and father he was. And yeah. He knew it wasn't true. Yeah. And all he wanted to do was escape and retreat because the bullying had become too much. Right. So his attorney says, well, why did you stay? Like, why did you stay in this? Yeah. Um, and he says. Why did I stay? I stayed. I suppose because my father stayed. I suppose because I had been in a relationship with Vanessa. And that was lost. And I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail. I wanted to try to make it work. I thought maybe I could help her. I thought maybe I could bring her around. Because the hamburger that I knew for the first year, year and a half was not this, was not this, um, suddenly this, um, opponent. It, it, it wasn't my girl, it was, it was, she had become my opponent, and everything that I did just didn't fit her. Um, it, it wasn't, she didn't accept it. Uh, so I stayed, because of course I didn't want to fail. I didn't want, I didn't want to hurt anyone, especially Mrs. Miss Hurt. I didn't want to break her heart. I, I remember very well that when my father left, and my mother, um, Betty Sue, had, uh, that first attempt at suicide that I woke up to, and that visual in my head, and that was a direct result of my father's um, leaving. Miss um, Hurd had spoken of uh, suicide on a couple of occasions, so that also becomes a factor. That's, that's also something that, that always lives in the back of your brain, and uh, you, that you fear. Because when I would leave, sometimes, I would, many times when I would try to leave, she would 
you know, stop me at the elevator with the security guards crying, screaming, you know, I can't live without you, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna die. But you had to get out. We were a couple of times when I did escape and I got to my house, arrived at my house in Switzerland. And then five minutes later she would arrive in the, in the, I don't know what car she was driving at the time, but um, she would arrive in her nightgown screaming in the parking lot in front of, in front of my house, uh, screaming to high heavens and it would be four in the morning, three in the morning. It was ludicrous. It was, it was, uh, it was out of control. It was uncontrollable. Gosh. Yeah. So we're almost near the end here. Um, so the term monster came up a lot. And he said this was language that Amber had devised to basically describe the person he would become when he, she said he was, you know, under the influence. Mm-hmm. And he says that Amber accused him of having a problem with drugs and alcohol. And that was part of his characterization of him as a monster. And he said that he knew he wasn't a monster, but he would play into this because he said he had to placate her. He said that to have any sort of productive conversation with her, you had to placate. And you know people like that. You know people where if you take any issue with something they say, it's going to cause some huge fight you don't have time for. Right. Um, And he said that... But he says this, he, she's totally wrong, that he's not addicted to, he doesn't have a substance abuse issue. Like, yes, he took Roxycodone to stave off withdrawals, but otherwise, he says that he, like, really, you can't even tell when he's drunk or anything like mm. that. Um, he says he holds substances so well. He says that, you know, her friends would tease him because you can never tell when he was drunk. Like, he just held them so well. Yeah. yeah. However, he said that Amber drank constantly and it was not uncommon for her to drink two bottles herself per night wow um so there's this big champagne story and the champagne story is that he flew to ireland i think it was to present his dear friend with a lifetime achievement award and that um during that during that toast that he was poured a glass of champagne and he toasted his friend to be part of the celebration and he said he had half a glass of champagne so basically he then was having dinner with Amber shortly thereafter and described his experience to her. And he said he enjoyed the glass of champagne. He said, I don't think I have an alcohol problem. Well, apparently she flew into a blind rage over this. Okay. She freaked out. And he said, well, if you, know, if you want me to stop drinking, then why don't you support me and also not drink? And this she flew into a blind rage over. She was so angry about this. And this whole story preceded the, a flight, a very, very seminal flight mm-hmm. between Boston and L.A. So in 2014, when this is all going down, he's filming Black Mass. Um, and he says that he knew when he got on the flight to back to L.A. with Amber um, that she was spoiling for a fight with him on this flight. Okay. Um, and he says on the flight, he was on the flight he was drawing in his notebook and she was provoking him he she she was just ready to lash out yeah this is when he said her need for violence her need for conflict came into play um and he says that he basically just went and locked himself in a bath in a bathroom and went to sleep for Mm -hmm. the rest remainder of a flight Mm -hmm. to escape her abuse the and this is where we this is where honestly the you know his testimony becomes problematic because at the same time around the same time he sent a text to paul bettany uh-huh. and because the attorney asked well how much did you drink before that flight yeah and he says oh maybe i don't think i drank anything and he says on the flight you know you have your welcome glass of champagne and he said he think he maybe had half of it okay, okay. so he says he basically drank none of it 
The problem is during cross-examination, he has shown texts, and this is what he texts Paul Bettany, his friend. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm, he says, I'm going to properly stop the booze thing, darling. I drank all night before I picked Amber up to fly to LA this past mm. Sunday, and it was ugly, mate. No food for days, powders, half a bottle of whiskey, a thousand Red Bulls and vodkas, pills, two bottles of champers on the plane, and what do you get? An angry aggro an angry aggro engine in a fucking blackout screaming obscenities and insulting any f any fuck who got near Mm. so anyway the problem with johnny's testimony is that like he's shown things that completely you know um conflict or show that he's not being forthright right yeah and what's weird about this is in the past trial in the UK, this same exact thing went down and he did the exact same thing and apologized to the jury for misleading them. Mm. So it's very weird here. It's almost like an act. That he's, yeah. So he's, but he's not forthright about this. And there's a lot of contradictory testimony. So did like he apologize the things- to the jury here? No, that we're, we're not there yet. Okay. We're still in his cross-examination. Okay. Okay. Um, not... In my recap, we have not even gotten to the cross-examination, but in the trial, we're still under his cross-examination. Got it. Okay. Anyway. So, and that's the problem. There's just lots of contradiction to Johnny's testimony. Like, um, under Dr. Kipper's detox program. So, there's this time when he goes to the island and he does his detox, right? From mm-hmm. the Roxycodone. Yeah. And Debbie Lo- Lloyd, his, his nurse, was there. Dr. Kipper, I believe, was there. And Amber insisted on going. He says she insisted on going. He didn't want her there, but he, but she insisted on going. You could read this as like an, an abusive, controlling, oppressive partner um or you could read it as a concerned good kind partner who wants to be there for you during what will be one of the most difficult times of your life yeah um and anyway he says that during one time on the island uh, during this detox that he was about to go through very serious physical withdrawals and when you're going through that when you're going through these kind of withdrawals you can like literally have a seizure oh yeah i mean it's it's like very serious you feel like you're gonna die yeah, and he says that at one point um, he really needed his medication, and Amber denied it to him. She said it wasn't his, it wasn't time yet, and he paints this as a, her like cruelly, malevolently denying him mm-hmm. of the medication he needed. Whereas, like obviously, um, you know, you could it could also be read that she was just trying to keep him actually on the detox right on schedule yeah totally and do the hard thing of like forcing him to detox as he had intended and this is also the problem when when they get home um he texts her mom and he says your daughter was just the most incredible angel to me who essentially guided me through this and operated under just complete you know like care for me and with such instinct and and was just so wonderful and basically like it's not like his it's his word against amber's word it's like his word right now versus his word at the time to other people in email and text yeah yeah well so it's just from the sounds of it like easy answer there's no easy answer and it's also not always all bad like there are these terrible moments and clearly a lot of them, but then there are also, I guess these moments that are good where he is sending text messages. Yeah. Thanking her mom. Yes, exactly. And the, the situation is just not cut and dry. It's not black and white. So, um, anyway, there's also one 
you know, kind of interesting tale where um, Winona, uh, they ask about, you know, if Amber was ever upset over any tattoos that he had. And he said, yes, she didn't love his Winona tattoo. Yeah. Um, And he and, you know, one of Amber alleges that she made fun of that tattoo and he hit her. He slapped her. Um, And he says that. Like he thinks of his body as essentially a a journal and mm-hmm. he's always thought of it that way. And he says, like, why would you care if someone makes fun of your journal? Like things that have happened to you, which I thought was a little suspicious. Like, I feel like if anything, your journal is your most like um, vulnerable thing yeah. for someone to make fun of. And like the one thing that could trigger you a little. Right. So right. anyway, so we're going to leave it here. But next, the next recap, we're going to talk about his cross-examination. So... This is going to be on Patreon. We're going to get into the dark, gruesome details of all the stuff that's happened. It is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. We're going to continue coverage on the Patreon, and that will be out this Friday. So you can access that Patreon episode via the link in our show notes. Chandler, do you have anything before we sign off today? No, just that I we didn't get to the grumpy. That's the only thing. What's the grumpy? That's what he referred to as the poop in the bed. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I we mean, said, I, not for the oh, faint of heart. Gosh. Take your anti-nausea medicine. Yeah. Get ready for that, baby. Um, okay, so we will get to that and then other choppy waters on the high seas of justice on the Patreon out this Friday. So you can sign up for that via the link in our show notes, as I said. Um, you can enter our giveaway by posting on your stories, linking the pod, shouting us out, and, tagging us so we see it. And let us know what you think of the recaps. If you want us to keep going, keep us posted. Yeah, people have been loving them. They've yes. told us. People have been loving so, them. And so um, we just want to keep doing them as long as you're loving them. Yes. And please share. Honestly, like beyond even just the giveaways, like if you like this. It means so much to us if you would share it with a friend and yes. share the pod or leave us a five-star review. We would love to get to a thousand reviews. Okay. Yep. Sorry to be so thirsty, everyone. All right. All right. And Chandler, with that, shall we put down the anchors? I say we put down the anchor, cast the anchor, whatever. All right. Um, we will catch you all next week. Love you. Bye. Love you. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.